0: Welcome to Talks at Advent, homilies and reflections given at the Church of the Advent, a Western Rite Orthodox mission in Atlanta, Georgia. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost, God is one. Amen. In today's gospel passage, Jesus heals a man who is deaf and has a speech impediment. We have seen Jesus heal others with many different spiritual and medical conditions, leprosy, edema, seizures, demon possession, flows of blood and blindness, and each of those conditions cuts the people afflicted by them off in some way from their fellow neighbors, whether from fear of its transmissibility, the outbursts of anger, the physical disfiguration, the stench of rotting flesh, the inability to see they each in their own way take something away from the experience of being fully human and fully free in this way the orthodox church thinks of even these ailments as sin in all these cases not necessarily a sin one is guilty of of course but yet these ailments are sin because they are a form of hamartia, missing the mark the greek word for sin that keeps us from being all we were created to be. Of course, our actions or those of our parents and grandparents can at times be responsible for a physical ailment we suffer from. Think of the damage we can do to our bodies from the way we over or under eat, fail to give ourselves sufficient exercise, use drugs and other substances irresponsibly, fail to seek necessary medical care, etc. Yes, all those things can be sins for which we are personally responsible. However, all sins, whatever their origin, are somehow a consequence of either our own actions or those of others somehow contributing to our broken creation. They are are each in need of healing, and they are each in need of a Savior, in need of our Lord Jesus Christ, just as much as any spiritual disease we have. And today's gospel brings us to another healing that of this man who is deaf and unable to speak as you may know those two conditions commonly occur together if someone is born deaf or loses their hearing before language develops so this man has very likely been deaf for nearly all his life and his condition like the others we have discussed it cuts him off in some way from his neighbors in fact i would argue it's among the most isolating of all the conditions that one can experience. Our ears allow us to be aware of things all around us. They provide most of our communication with other people. And that was especially true in the ancient world where most people had limited access to written materials and were illiterate. There were no computers, text messages, or subtitles. Your eyes can only alert you to what you're looking at when you're alert and without hearing. You have much less ability to be aware of threats from behind you or when you are asleep. And moreover, it affects your ability to communicate to others. It affects the way people perceive your mental capacity. So much so that the word dumb is how people historically referred to those with vocal impairments. Most human societies are language-centric. And historically, that focused on spoken and heard language. And that meant that this person not only was isolated in his community and heavily dependent on those around him, but that he had no social mobility, no way to change his state in life. But there are two good news aspects of this story that I want to focus on. First, the goodness of God and of our neighbor. And the second, the power of God within us. On the first, the goodness of God and our neighbor. Unlike the blind man who could hear Jesus passing by, who could call out of his own accord for Jesus to help him, this man who has hearing and speech impairments needed the help of others. And he got it. It says in the account, and they bring unto Jesus one that was deaf that had an impediment in his speech. And they beseech Jesus to put his hand upon him. It was through the actions of his neighbors and God that this man was healed. Without one or the other, he would have continued to suffer from his impediments. And importantly, we know that Jesus is in the Decapolis, meaning the Ten Cities. This this is a Gentile region. He's ministering to Gentiles, and we see the faith of these people who were not Jews, bringing one of their own to for uh, to Jesus for his suffering to be healed. And imagine that situation, don't you? Don't we all have something we wish we could lay at the feet of Jesus to be healed, to have taken away? and which among us would not be selfish enough to ask for that to be fixed, and instead humbly and selflessly bring someone else from our community with a deeper need than ours to Jesus for healing. And the good news is there's plenty of healing and grace to go around, infinite from God. So I urge you, though, to seek God's renewal in your own life, but I also encourage you to not forget to bring others to it. And we also know from the aftermath of disasters, from other terrible events, that our neighbors are inherently good. They are the people that God in his creation declares to be very good. We are not totally depraved by the fall of Adam and Eve. Mankind is still inherently good, a very good race of creatures. Now, don't be swayed by the horrors you see around you in the news from the actions of leaders or maybe even horrors in your neighborhood or amongst your friends or maybe even in yourself. Don't let that bring you down. Trust me. No, trust God that you, that people are generally good. And good people work together with God to bring about miracles. God, of course, can do it by himself, but he doesn't choose to do it that way. And every week here in this church, we see a miracle brought about through the work of you and me, mere mortals working with God in the Eucharist, in the very transformation of bread and wine into the body and blood of Christ. So many of you, and probably myself, if I was asked on the street, have we ever seen a miracle, might say no. But I'm here to remind you that you see a miracle, you participate in a miracle every time you attend the divine liturgy. And that brings me to my second good news story today from today's gospel, the power of God working within us. If we take a step back from the story, we should recognize that there is no reason God cannot simply heal this man. Or going further, God could have prevented this man from ever suffering with his condition. But look through the pages of the Bible. That's not God's typical way of acting. And for many, it is sadly a point of doubt or even rejection. However, as Christians, we must see in the story, of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, a story of suffering, a story of humility like none other. We have God himself, creator of the, everything in the universe, leaving his throne and coming to be like one of us in every way, born as a helpless little babe not to some home of royalty, but into one of poverty, living an ordinary life for three decades, and then in a few short years, bringing the kingdom of God in an extraordinary and explicit way before the eyes of all who followed him and to a few, even showing them his transfigured self on the Mount of Tabor, Before what? Before extensive suffering, before being publicly murdered by the very people he came to save in a shameful and excruciating way, excruciating, as you hear, has the Latin word cruce, cross, in it for a reason. And God had no humanly conceivable reason to do what he did. And what's more shocking, if we're honest, he has no reason to trust us with his kingdom, and yet he does. Look at this story, all the human aspects of it. Jesus healing with spit. God can't spit. He doesn't, and, and here God, just like his nature, he doesn't make a show of things. He pulls, pulls this man quietly aside from the crowd to privately heal him. And he charges those few who see it to stay quiet. And of course they can. not Could you have stayed quiet witnessing such a fantastic event? And he uses his hands. He, he uses his speech, all of these things to heal this man, all human things. But the most dramatic aspect of the story that strikes me is when Jesus looks up to heaven and sighs. At least that's the way the King James translators said it. But the Greek word is stenazo, which is cognate with a word about compression or constricting. And it might be better translated as it is in some other places, to groan. And more importantly, to groan because of pressure. For example, that pressure of childbirth or to feel pressure from what's coming on in your life. A a pressure that can either be intensely pleasant or anguishing. So I want you for a time to think about that sort of groaning. A groaning so deep in your soul that it feels both bad and yet good at the same time. That's what's going on here. Jesus is groaning in that human way at the sad state of the world. a A fallen creation that allows sin, a missing of the mark that isolates this man from his neighbor and from God himself. But in that groan, he also appeals to the divine who can repair it all. And that is an intense and pleasant experience. Jesus, as a man, healing with his hands, his words, his spit, his groans, and the power of God. There are several other places where this word and its relatives appear in the New Testament. It's used to translate the quoting of proto-martyr Stephen um, when he's talking about God speaking to Moses in the burning bush when God says, I have surely seen the affliction of my people who are in Egypt. I have heard their cry because of their taskmasters. I know their sufferings, or in the New Testament Greek, I know their groanings, and I have come to deliver them. But I think most importantly, it appears in Romans 8, 26, Saint Paul speaks of the Holy Spirit, likewise the Spirit helps us in our weakness for we know not what to say, what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit intercedes for us with groaning too deep for words. So not only does Jesus, the God-man, give us an example that we can follow as only mere human beings can through the use of our touch, our spit, our words, but he does so also through his groaning. And that groaning comes from the Holy Spirit working within him. And the good news, my brothers and sisters, is that you have that same spirit, the same Holy Spirit, the same groaning working within you. You see the suffering around you. You like God see the flock in need of a shepherd, and I call on you to invoke the groaning of the Holy Spirit who has infused you, with whom you were sealed by in your chrismation. Let those groanings, too deep for words, come out. The good news is that our neighbor, and that also includes you with respect to others, are inherently good, good with a capital G, good as God has created us. The other good news is that Jesus as in today's recounting of a miracle reminded us of our part that we have to play in them that miracles can and do sometimes come from God alone but more often we you have a role to play or they wouldn't happen so whether you are among those who bring the man to Jesus or are acting in the place of Jesus using your physical body your voice your touch to heal a fellow human being help mend up this broken creation, invoking the help of God and the Holy Spirit, groaning, groaning to bring out the God within us, to rouse the power of God that dwells within us, groaning in frustration and disgust at the sad place that Satan, sin, decay, and death have brought us and continue to bring us. Never forget that Jesus, God, has seen it all experienced it all save sin when he had every choice not to he chose to not for himself but for us and thereby he saved the world he saved you he saved our neighbor and he calls on us to participate in that to help him make the saving miracles by which our neighbor can be saved through us and by which we can save. the good news is that we are part of the miracle we hear today every day when we open others ears loose their tongues open their eyes, we save the world around us. So if we follow the pattern of our Lord in today's miracle, participating through our human physical means and groaning with the Holy Spirit within us, we can and will renew the world around us, bring about miracles that restore things to what they were always created to be. And that is good, very good. Thanks be to God. Talks at Advent homilies and reflections given at the Church of the Advent, a Western Rite Orthodox mission in Atlanta, Georgia.